Hi, everybody. I'm going to bring this over. I'm jumping right around there. So, um, this is our last topic in our We Are Made For series. So, we're going to close our topics, but not actually close our weeks today. We're actually going to have one more week next week because we, when I was preparing for being a witness, I realized, frankly, it would be really nice to be able to talk about the calling of that today and then be able to unpack some of that next week in terms of more of a discussion and kind of a practical tools sort of thing. So we're actually going to make this a two-parter. So, and that and maybe might have been a little jealous about Dave got a two-parter. So I was like, I want a two-parter too. Um, so, so I got one. <laughs> um, but I don't know about you guys. It's been helpful for me when we look at the, the series outlines when we have them, right? And I, I like to see like where we've been and where we're going. And then sometimes I sit there and I like I do I do one of these a little bit because I'm like I don't necessarily always feel the most comfortable with like some of the topics that are up there. And I find myself today teaching on a topic that I'm maybe not the most comfortable about. And I'm doing that to try to stretch myself. So, and I'm offering that to you guys that if you could do that same thing with me, if you could stretch with me, listen. Let yourself be a little molded today, a little uncomfortable. Um, I promise we'll walk through the tender love of God and His Word and, uh, and just, just grow with me today, would you please? Um, because we are going to talk about being on a witness. And so, of course, as we do that, we're going to start and talk about Moses in Exodus. Yeah, you, I know you all saw that coming. So, um, in my quiet times, uh, I've been reading through Exodus. And you know the awesome thing about the Word of God is that it has the same thread throughout. It has who God is and the heart and the development of the story, right? It, it never changes. It threads itself the whole way through. And as I prepared myself to teach on being a witness, I'm like, wow, it's even right here. So I was like, I wanted to like have like a subtitle and, and kind of teach from that and just let you guys enjoy that today along as I, as I have been. So in Exodus 3-4, this is the call of Moses' ministry. And this is the Lord speaking. It says, So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside, God called him from the midst of the brush and said, Moses, Moses, and he, Moses, said, Here I am. Now, I think a couple of times now I've taught about like the here I am statements. They are awesome and powerful. And you think about the depth of of what that person is saying about, you know, like, here I am, right? What we're going to unpack today is what follows Moses's here I am statement. But before we do that, I've already mentioned today and, and talk about where this call comes from, right? It comes from the heart of God. And what is that heart? It's not just here that we see it. God explains why he's calling Moses a couple of verses later. And he says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. That know is just a, it's a really awesome, powerful thing where God leans in and he says, he, he knows it. Right? And, and again, we mentioned that it's not just here as God is talking with Moses that we get to see his heart. We can track the heart of God the whole way through the Bible. We could start, I could start even further back in Genesis, but I wanted to pull, this is the call of Abraham. And as God is talking to him, he says, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The neat thing about God's heart is while it starts and seems 
slightly focused or particularly maybe focused on the Israelites and God's people. It has always been for all of the earth. It's true in Isaiah 56 as well. Also the sons of foreigners. This is the, the, the pressing, the uncomfortable expansion that Isaiah has to share about the fact that the people of the Lord, look who it is here, it says, who join themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love the name of His Lord to be His servants, right? So, so Isaiah is pressing and saying His servants are those that serve and love the name of the Lord. And then in Second Peter 2, or 3, I'm sorry, it says, the Lord is slow about His promise, right? So the promise that we've been talking about for all of the people, right? Slow, as some count slowness, but it's really patience towards you, not willing that any should perish for all to come to repentance. We've seen that all language. We keep seeing it because it's that same thread of his heart. And it closes here in Revelations. It's been neat to touch in Revelation some, and in the upcoming series, we're going to talk about it even more. Revelation 7, 9. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count of all nations and tribes and people, and tongues standing before the throne. And then if you keep reading in chapter 7, it talks about just the beautiful picture that they're magnifying and worshiping God. It just goes on about that, and it's, ah, it's beautiful. So all of that, right? think about when, when God's calling Moses in Exodus 3, all of that is just to reveal his heart. So now we're going we're gonna to turn and focus on, on Moses, right? So he says, here I am, but kind of sadly, and, but the reality is, is that Moses is flawed, right? Moses is a human. He's a sinner, all the same. So what happens is this, God, he gets to have a conversation with God, but he starts it after here I am. He keeps going and says, well, I have some, some doubt, right? In, in 311, and you don't have to write these down. I'll have a slide which has them all up. So we're going to enjoy a conversation here and go back forth between Moses and God. In 3.11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God's response is, I will be with you. Moses says, okay. But I don't have the authority. In 3.13, now it says, And Moses said to God, Indeed, when I go to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they say to you, What is that name? And and who are you? And God says, I am the authority. And that's his answer. He says, I am the authority. Don't worry, he's not done yet. And Moses says, I have no evidence of that, but suppose that they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. God said, I will provide you the evidence. Moses is trying to make a case, and God is just not letting it happen. Moses says, I got this. I cannot speak and you need someone who speaks. Then Moses said, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow to speech and slow of tongue. God says, I will give you the words. That seems like a pretty firm, rounded out conversation. Seems like we've closed it all out. So what does Moses do next? Send somebody. I don't even have an excuse, he says. Just send someone else. He's like, I'm done. I'm out. I don't know what to say else. Just send someone else. He says, in 4.13, he says, Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else that you may send. Anybody else. Anybody. 
God, it says in the text, so this isn't just me, it says God got a little frustrated, but he didn't give up on Moses. He says, I will give you help, but you're going. He says, here's Aaron, here he comes, take him and go. So this is, this is like a, I'm going to pause because it's a bookkeeping slide. It's a cool conversation, guys. It happens over Exodus 3 and Exodus 4. So these, these notes, they go up on the website. When you, when you listen to these, you see that. It's down there in the slide. So this is where the conversation happens. These are Moses' recognitions and then God's responses, right? And so this is what, hap- this is what we just watched. We've seen God's heart, and that's the, that's the basis of this call, and, and I, I gave it the title of like Moses' recognition because it's like you get the feeling that it's not like a, you know, it's here I am. It's like a, it's got an asterisk on it. So he's acknowledging God's call and, and then softly, I think, God gives his response over a couple of different excuses that Moses comes up with. And then as you keep reading through Exodus and even through Deuteronomy, what you see is that Moses' life matures as he spends time walking out what God has planned for him. And there's, at the end of Deuteronomy, there's a really awesome summary of, of what is Moses' service. This is Deuteronomy 34, 9. It says, now Joseph, the son, Joshua, sorry, the son of Nun, was full of the wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. You see, Moses, as he matured, he just didn't do so of his own personal self. But Moses matured and grew and built into the entire kingdom of Israel, God's people. right? And he wasn't just concerned about himself or those that were right in front of him. Right? He was clearly looking towards the future and the growth of it because Joshua was ready when it was time. Okay, so, so we just left, and it just talked about right, how he had worked with Joshua, right? And then in 34.10, watch this. It, but since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. That is the depth of the maturity of Moses' relationship. So it's not just that he has a, that the Lord knew him face to face, but that Moses' life walked out with that, just that, that intimate, that knowing, there's that knowing again, right? Just that intimate knowledge of God and that care that he has for his kingdom. This is the, the death of Moses as covered in 34, 5, and it says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley, in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows his grave to this day. Do you see in there that second word? It's capitalized, he. And he buried him. God buried Moses. The man that he knew face to face. Now that is a life, that is a, that is a mature walk one that is built out, and then it bears witness because it's not written, right? Like, the fact that we don't know where Moses is buried is maybe small, but, but listen, it's not like Moses isn't great because he has an awesome epitaph written on his grave. It's awesome because he poured into the kingdom, and that's where his epitaph was, right? 
So his life bore witness in the people of God. So this brings us to today. And now I have a stretch question for you, if you don't mind it. And that is this. If my argument that I have built is that the maturity of Moses' life is shown in the fact that he cares and knew God face to face, that personal maturity of faith, right? And that he cared for his kingdom that much and built into it. Is that not what we all should be doing? Is, that, is there anything inherently or particularly limited that is not applicable to us? Well, as I ask that question, I will prepare for you a statement or two, a verse or two, that will help, I think, lead you to the conclusion that, that I came to. In Romans 12, now one of your homeworks is going to be to read all of Romans 12 this week, if you don't mind, because it's going to help set us up for next week. So in Romans 12, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I'm going to keep reading some. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that, that which is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. And then, all right, I'll stop, because you, it's your homework. I'm not going to keep reading the whole thing for you. We're not doing your homework here, but it's, whew. Um, and then in John 15, this is another homework one for you, the whole chapter, if you please. We're just going to, we're just going to summarize it here in verse 8. It says, by this, my Father is glorified, and that's like a, less like a comma, maybe more like a semicolon. It says that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. So this is the same slide that we just looked at, and we looked at God's heart. And instead of Moses now, though, we're looking at us. I'm looking at myself. I'm asking you guys to look. What is, as you get down this slide, as you get down this chart, what bears witness? Hopefully it's your life. And, and what does it bear witness of? Hopefully it's God's heart. Now the really cool thing that, man, I just geeked out over the past like two days over, was that if you go backwards and look, at, remember that conversation with God and Moses, right? And Moses had this like list of things that he's not so sure about. And we listed out God's response. This is God's response in the New Testament. Most of this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. If those words look the same, it's because I moved the verses from Exodus chapters 3 and 4 and just stuck the New Testament references in, and the same things hold true. Because again, it is the same God that we are saving. It's the same heart that he has, and it's the same calling that we need to live in our lives. And he provides himself the same response, just like he did to Moses, to us. He's still saying, I will be with you. He's still saying, I am the authority. I will give you the evidence. Romans 12, 2 is what we just read. What's the evidence? And that you will not be conformed, but you will be transformed by the renewing of your heart. That your life may prove that it is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Your life is the evidence. And then in in John, he says, I will give you the words. And I will give you the help, the helper, the Holy Spirit. 
has been given to us in the church. Let's just pause on that, actually. Let's, let's take a second. Can you guys, just with these verses up, let's just take a second. Pray over these. Think about the impact of these in your life. Just praise God for these. These truths, these aren't just wishy-washy things that we put on a sign on the door as we leave the office or the house. These are promises we can live by. Let's, let's, let's just appreciate those for a minute, yeah? Just take, take a, two minutes. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word and the truth, God, the rock that it provides us. God, we thank you for your nature, your, your very heart, that, God, how you just, you care about us and you care about others and the God, the, the truth that you give us to rely on God, all throughout your word. So as we, as we keep looking through, I'd like to take a second. If you could all open up to 1 Corinthians. We're going to go to chapter 9, and we're going to read through it together. This is chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 19. I'm going to read from New King James Translations. Follow along with me, please. For though I am free... From all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without the law, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. And to the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might be at all means save some. Now this I do for the sake of the gospel, that I may part- be a partaker of it with you. To close here with this section, because I think it is it's another example of one of those passages of Scripture that is helpful and comforting and that soft, what is that, that um, uh, uh, the, tender, uh, the tender wound of, uh, someone help me, tender wound of those who love you. Um, so it's along those lines for me at least. Because in here, you see as, as we started in verse 19, and then if, if you read like verse 22, right, this, these don't sound great. If I read these for me, they don't sound awesome. To the weak, I became as weak that I might win the way. I'd much rather be strong. But, but Paul says in here that I became all things to all men. Understand, right, what he's not talking about is that he's like hanging up his morals or, or convictions, right? His biblical truths that, it's, that he stated in the verses earlier. What he's talking about is that he's saying, I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable. I'll set aside my pride. I might even set aside my preferences, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the sake of my gospel, right? It's not for my sake that I do it. So these are the two things that I've been preparing, if you will, to leave you with today. That we would focus our life service. We talked and we looked at the, the life of Moses and the fact that he is described as a great servant of God, that he poured his life out on something 
that lasts longer and is bigger than his life itself. And we talk about the fact that, that we need our life to bear a witness to God. But I was like, I don't know about you guys, I was challenged over the past two weeks when Dave gave like, these are some answers and they feel good. But then he like challenged us, the nerve, and said, these are answers. And I, and, and I was talking with him and he said, be on the point. So it's not his fault. No, it's not Dave's fault that I'm doing this. But this is what I really want you to leave with today. That if we start the statement of focusing your life service on something longer and bigger than itself, that we set aside our best for that and for things eternal. Now that's a challenge. And then in that last section especially, we just read about how our life is to bear witness, but we need to be able to get uncomfortable and speak of His glory to all people. Because you, do you remember that Revelation 7, 9, right? That's what He is knowing is coming, and that's what we are looking forward to. That all the nations and all the tribes and all the tongues would be gathered together to praise His name. Thank you. Amen! So if this seems uncomfortable, I agree. If this seems like a challenge... It is to me, but that doesn't mean that when I read the truth of Scripture that it's not there and I can't pay attention to it. And that's what I wanted to bring to you guys today, and that's what I want us to leave with is that challenge. Now, we're not going to just leave it there. I did mention we're going to pick it up again next week. We're going to talk more about it and prepare ourselves to take it up better so that we may become better equipped. But this is the reality of his heart. And this needs to be the reality, the purpose of our life. So this week, again, homework reminder, John 15, Romans 12. And decide this week, or start thinking about what your life will be a witness of and how it will be a witness of it. Let's pray with me. Father God, your, your words, God, we recognize them as truth. God, I recognize them as an uncomfortable truth sometimes, but I bow my heart to you. God, I bow my life. I give my life, not just in word, as Moses said, here I am, God, but that my entire life would bear witness to you, God, that my attitude, my countenance, that my heart, that my speech, God, that the outpouring of my life be for your kingdom and for your glory. Amen.